0: This episode of the Slash Filmcast is brought to you by Sonos. For the first time ever, Sonos is offering listeners of the Slash Filmcast 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. Use the promo code Filmcast10, that's capital filmcast A S T one zero at Sonos.com to receive this exclusive offer.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast, the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. I'm David Chen, and with me are... Andrew Hardware. Jeff Kanata, And joining us today, I have podcasted with this person for hundreds of hours. We've done shows (laughs) uh, about Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, Justified. And by the way, she also writes for a small up-and-coming magazine called Vanity Fair. Joanna Robinson, welcome back to the Slash Filmcast. How are you doing today, Joanna?
2: I'm doing so well. I'm so happy to talk to you guys again. I'm trying to remember the last I I can't remember the last one. Was it, Think it been World? Ghostbusters? Oh, uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah, that's probably the last oh. time. You, know, you always bring me on for the movies where women are <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good job. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if uh, Kingsman falls into that category, but um I
2: know we can we can chat about it. But yeah, no, I'm I'm so happy to be back. I love I love talking to you guys about movies.
1: We love talking to you as well, Joanna, and uh, I have to say, you know, uh, doing a, a, a like kind of a bonus uh, guest appearance on Slash Filmcast, like I usually, I'm used to needing to beat the clock with Joanna Robinson Podcast because, you know, we usually do TV related podcasts and we got to, like, get them out every week. Um, but having you here on this show for today is, like, very much a bonus. Really appreciate it. Um, so looking forward to chatting with you today. Uh, you can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast
0: at gmail.com. Now, before What we, David's saying it, is that we don't care about beating the clock here. Yeah, The, we, we are, the movie's we, been out for four days. Yep. We, we're just, who cares? Who
1: gives a crap, really? Um, <laughs> so I uh, wanted to do some follow-up, actually, from last week, guys. Um, so last week we reviewed Mother, the new Darren Aronofsky movie. Joanna, is this a movie you've seen or have any desire to see?
2: Yeah, I saw it.
1: I oh, did. What, did you, what did you think of it, just out of curiosity?
2: I think um, here's what I knew about it going in. I like actually, I knew that there was no score because um, I had talked to Paula Fairfield from who does a sound for Game of Thrones and she did the sound for Mother and she told me that she told me about the whole no mm-hmm. score thing. So I thought that was fascinating. And then um, I knew that there was like some sort of uh, allegory metaphor that people were arguing about, but I didn't know what the argument was. And then I sort of was watching it and it was pretty readily apparent to me that it was like the old, that it was the Bible. Like that, that seemed pretty apparent to me because I don't know, I took too many basic English lit classes or something like that. And mm-hmm. it's like, um, and so I felt like the, that metaphor is pretty heavy handed. Here's what I'll say. I don't ever want to see mother again, but I didn't hate <laughs> the experience. I didn't hate the experience of watching it. And I admire the ambition of it.
1: Mm. So
2: that's mm. how I feel about mother.
1: Yeah. Uh, Oh, very cool. That's that's actually very close to how I feel about it too. I don't know if I'm going to watch it again, but yeah, I do admire it. I do like that it's gotten a lot of people talking. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, okay, last week I uh, I made the uh, the potential was it an assertion? It was a guess that it was Rachel Vice in the opening shot of that movie. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I had would spoken, have been
3: supremely fucked up. I had Ugh. spoken
1: with several critics who I who I will not name. Uh, who also said that was definitely Rachel Vice in the opening scene? Of it's course, definitely a dark featured woman, and yeah, right. It's, well, it's, it's Vice remember. like. It's Vice. It, it's like. That's right. Uh, <laughs> um, it's uh, <laughs> but uh, it was not Rachel Weiss For those who are curious, uh, it was Sarah Jean Labrosse. Uh, who is credited as foremother in the credits. And so I found a photo of this woman. I tweeted it out uh, next to a photo of Rachel Weisz. And I said, is there any resemblance between these two people? And I got like 50 tweets saying, you're dumb, David. These people look nothing alike.
3: Uh, um, so I think in, in the well, context of how you see yeah, in the movie, yeah, there's a lot of
0: makeup and fire. Burning, <laughs> yeah. Burning yeah.
3: I'll just say,
1: you know, I spoke with some critics who thought that it was possibly Rachel Weisz. And, uh, I don't think I was completely insane for thinking that, but uh, you know, and and I would it also is. argue the subtext lends itself to thinking that. So, oh god, yeah. but that
2: would be so messed up. It man. is. So, like, it is pretty oh, messed up.
0: Yeah. So. Anyway, imagine uh, that call when he's like,
3: "Hey,
4: so, I'm
3: doing this project." Rage. <laughs> She's it's like, a lot of, I'm, I'm banging James Bond. You <laughs> could do whatever, right? There's a lot of she, makeup are, are
4: involved.
2: Yeah, <laughs> she's still banging James Bond. Yeah, there uh, you go. She wins. She She's wins. like, Darren, I put up with your shit through the fountain. But now I don't have to anymore. <laughs> Bye-bye.
1: Anyway, thank you for all your emails uh, around uh, the movie Mother. Uh, definitely a movie that uh, is worth talking about, in my opinion, and, and I actually really appreciated hearing everyone's opinion about that movie on last week's episode. Uh, so before we move on to uh, what we're doing today on the live film cast, you know, we got some what we've been watching for you and, uh, and a review of Kingsman, The Golden Circle, uh, I want to acknowledge stuff that's been going on in the film community. Some of you may have heard of some recent harassment and assault allegations surrounding the Alamo Drafthouse. Specifically concerning two film critics associated with the organization, Devin Faraci and Harry Knowles, the head of the Alamo Drafthouse, Tim Lee, has also been criticized for his part in enabling their behavior. We won't get into the details because you can easily find them by Googling, but suffice to say, we believe the women who have come forward in this situation. And uh, for all of us here on the Slash Cast, it's been painful to witness. Uh, many of these women have suffered in silence for many years, uh, thinking that they couldn't share their stories publicly because it would hurt them professionally. Uh, And we've asked ourselves, is there anything we, here on the show, we could have done differently? Uh, We may not have always had the most progressive of attitudes, but in recent years, we've worked hard to understand the full extent of the misogyny in our community. And it's uh, honestly sometimes been invisible to us as men in a very male-dominated industry. We understand more and more that saying nothing can enable this kind of behavior. And so we just wanted to come out and say, anyone who facilitates this kind of silence is no friend of this show all of us can do more to listen and believe people when they tell us their experiences. We will do better. And if you want to share your story with us, we're listening on Twitter uh, and on slash filmcast at gmail.com. So I just wanted to acknowledge all the stuff that's going on. Um, say how we all feel here on the podcast. Um, Joanna, I know, you know, many people in this community, you know, many of the people who are affected by all this stuff, they've been guests on the Slash Homecast before. We're all big fans of them, um, who are speaking out now about all the terrible stuff that's going on. But Joanna, kind of like, do you have any reflections uh, as you've witnessed this, uh, unraveling?
2: Well, I, I want to say a couple things quickly about, um, you know, th- this, all of this sort of exploded right around, uh, Fantastic Fest, which happened in Austin, which is sort of a draft house, uh, support, uh, you know the Draft House Film Festival that Ain't It Cool News uh, Harry Knowles' outlet like often uh, co- has co-sponsored. Anyway, it was just it was a very strange timing for all of this. So you had a lot of people who had been uh, involved in cases like this uh, in one city at one time, and and there were some people mm-hmm. who said the festival should be canceled or all this sort of stuff. But everything that I heard from the people who were there, both men and women. Uh, is that there were just really amazing conversations happening on the ground in Austin around this. And um, so, you know, I I understand there are some people who boycotted the festival. I understand why. But I also think it's um, – I'm very heartened by what I heard about what happened uh, down in Austin. And what I've heard from from people in that sort of Austin film community where they're like (laughs) – you know, one person told me they're like, people have overestimated how much we actually embraced Devin and Harry in the first place. Like, these are two characters that, like, had a lot of power, but maybe not a lot of affection from people in that community. Oh. And, and maybe this is why, partly why. Not necessarily that people knew that they were this terrible, but they're, you know, it's if, if you do something like this, you probably are not great in other aspects of your life as well. And then just from my own perspective, I will say that as, you know, as... A woman who entered this industry, whatever it is that I do, film and TV criticism, sometimes, um, like when I first started, uh, I did have a couple critics whose name you probably all know and who who I grew, like grew up respecting. It's like say inappropriate things to me uh, in DMs on on Twitter, and I was just sort of like a crash course and like, oh, this is how. This is how this is like, they never met me. They don't know me at all, but it's just sort of out there for some people. Definitely. Hashtag, not all critics, but it's definitely out there for some people that if you're powerful and this applies to a lot of industries, if you're powerful in a community, maybe you feel like you can get away with treating women a certain way. So mm. that's what I have to say.
1: Well, Joanna, uh, i can I think I speak for all of us when I say that uh we are open to hearing those kinds of stories and we're open to criticism and also uh a a deeper understanding of like what we can do to prevent that kind of thing from happening anyway wanted to acknowledge that this is something that's going on in the community that uh we are doing what we can to to listen and understand. And Devendra, uh, I think for you and me like this is kind of a real soul searching moment because uh, you you know sites like News and Chud.com, where where Devin used mm-hmm. to write for were really ca- kind of influential in our own
3: growth as online nerds basically. For um, sure. I mean it's it, this is all tough uh, to take and really sad to hear and disappointing. Um, ain't it cool was probably the first uh you know big online film site i visited regularly when i was in high school so it was like late 90s as things were getting started and things were just happening there you know like uh who was it was it drew who was banned from lucasfilm like all that stuff stuff was happening around the fan community and they were they were kind of like basically on the cutting edge i think you know i honestly haven't read the site in what over a decade I definitely haven't been reading it regularly in a very long time uh, mostly because I think Drew like for me I, I love Drew's writing and he moved on um, and you know uh, to see a stuff I went to hit fix and now his own site um, it's all very sad. That's kind of yeah, all I have to say. It, it kind
1: of yeah. is is uh, upsetting that like this veneer of fun and uh, being rebellious it kind of in some ways hid in some ways enabled abuses that are unconscionable. It's very unfortunate, and we need to work as hard as we can to make sure something like that doesn't happen again. So
2: I just I just want to say sorry one more thing, which is that um, you know outside of the realm of like, uh, you mentioned Tim league, but like the, the wider circle of like, not just, you mm-hmm. know, men who have behaved inappropriately to women, but men who, who shielded other men. Um, you know, and that, that's something I feel comfortable calling Tim league out for. Um, and I just want to say that I really admire, um, I'm going to shout out specifically Eric Vesey because he's someone that I know and like uh, enormously. And, um, he and the two other uh, Ain't It Cool News writers sort of just quit today um, mm. after the Harry news because as a, as a show of like we won't we can't tolerate this we can't stand with this you know and they release statements and and I just can't even express how much that means. Um, you know, in, in stark contrast to someone like Tim, who's like, Hey, for our brand, we're just going to sweep this under the rug, you know? And so, um, I just want to shout out Eric and his colleagues and, um, thank everyone, uh, you know, men and women who have, who have, you know, you guys definitely included who have stood up and said like, this is, this is not okay in our community. So thank you.
0: It's a weird thing. The, um, this, whatever this thing we're all a part of is, it's very nascent, right? It's very, it's very early days. Uh, it's, it's just beginning in, in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, this, this is we're 10 years into this thing, 15 at, at, at most of this weird sort of global or at least, you know, national community of people that talk like this about, media and uh there are growing pains and it sucks that this stuff happens but it's i think in this time of whatever this time is that we're going through uh i think we're all kind of figuring out that being decent and good to one another is so important and in all of these little niches of connection that technology is allowing uh, it's really important to reinforce that decency and goodness, regardless of who you're dealing with.
1: Well, again, our our doors are always open in terms of uh, what people want to share with us, and um, you know, I, people have seen like I've responded uh, to criticism publicly and privately. Uh, so yes, slashfilmcast at gmail dot com at slashfilmcast on Twitter and on Facebook. And hopefully we can continue listening, continue understanding. Uh, That seems to be the most important thing right now. Uh, All that said, let's move on with the podcast. Let's get on with what we're talking about today. Uh, And let's talk about what we've been watching. I wanted to mention uh, one thing I've been watching. Uh, So Netflix put out this new special. It's called Jerry Before Seinfeld. Have you guys heard of this? Mm -hmm. This is a new Mm -hmm. uh, Jerry Seinfeld. I thought it was a documentary But it's actually just like a stand-up special with a couple of interstitials, really. So it's not. He's doing
0: his like early material, right? Isn't that the 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 hook here?
1: I would say it's like there's a bunch of his early material. So I read uh, like I was a big Jerry Seinfeld fan back in the day. I read like Sign Language, you know, his book about like that had all of his material in it, Um, and so a lot of it is his greatest hits. But there's also some stuff I haven't heard before um and i've actually seen seinfeld relatively recently live and it's like completely different from that material so it felt like a combination of some new material and some greatest hits jeff uh that's but maybe he's done it all before i'm not sure uh but it is uh you know this is one of the most successful comedians of all time and it's just interesting to hear his perspective to hear how hard he works you know there's one portion where he like he shows you all of his notes you know and like lays them all out on the ground and it's just fascinating. you know. It, it's meant to appear completely effortless when they're on stage. like They're just riffing with you. They're just coming up with it in real time. But in reality, so much tireless work, workshopping, writing things down goes into it. Uh, and it's, uh, it's pretty inspiring to behold. I still think he's very funny. Some of his material is pretty dated these days. Like it's clear that some of it was written in the 90s or even earlier. But overall, I still had a really good time watching Jerry before Seinfeld on Netflix.
0: And uh, I'd recommend you guys check it out. So. The most amazing thing to me about him is that he's sixty-three. Yeah, he, he looks, looks great. Like he looks <laughs> like he's forty-five. Hey, he man. looks very good.
3: Yeah, money, money is the best. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: Seriously, <laughs> yeah, he probably has like fifty. Sixty-three. <laughs> Would <laughs> you ever guess that he was sixty-three by looking at him? He no, looks good. He looks good. He looks very insane. vital.
3: Yeah. So, like Dave, you should be watching comedian comedians and cars getting coffee. So that good. is a fantastic show. Just I've great seen some
0: episodes. Yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dave! It's there. It's, it's there's so many excellent ones.
3: Yeah, like there. Honestly, I think that is. His since his stand-up is so dated, I'd rather he just drive around right? and like talk to people in his car. Like that's far more yeah. interesting to me. I wouldn't say it's
1: so I say I think some of the bits were clearly written, like he refers right, right. to like technology that like, you know, is a little outdated. Like there's one there's one bit that I know he does that I know he's done before uh, that features a top loading washing machine. And uh, uh you know still deal? make
4: those? What's, yeah, what's they no they the still
1: they still make those, but it's like I guess yeah. for me personally, I, yeah, go ahead, Joanna.
2: My washing machine is top load. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm just
1: uh, having I guess uh I don't know. Front
2: loading machines. Who are these people?
1: <laughs>
3: By the way, front loading machines are so much better for the American
1: That's what I'm saying. Loads. That's what I'm saying. You know, you got to incorporate the front loading <laughs> machines into the bit now. you got anyway. to do it. So anyway, also have the have dual socks. washing machines, like the ones that wash two things at once.
3: It's a future guy.
1: As my point illustrates, these are very minor <laughs> nits. Uh, it's not really like, it's not didn't kill it at all for me. Um, but uh, yeah, comedians in cars getting coffee. I'll I'll try to check that out. A lot of like Larry David's Seinfeld-esque stuff. Like that. I'm looking forward to the new Curb Your Enthusiasm season. Joanna, are you mm-hmm. a Curb Your Enthusiasm fan?
2: Yeah, uh, I dabble. I dabble in Curb uh, I, I, I was at the television critics association, some press tour and I don't know if you guys like, or your listeners know exactly what happens there, but basically TV critics are cooped up in a ballroom for like t- over two weeks, uh, listening to panel after panel after panel about all the new TV shows. And so you start losing your mind and you get really bored and all that sort of stuff like that. And then Larry David came up. And just basically started heckling the audience, and it was like the best thing that's ever happened. You just started yelling at everyone, and it was delightful. And then you just realize how much you miss Larry David and Curb, and you're really excited it's coming back. So, yeah, yeah. I'm,
1: I'm psyched. HBO coming back this fall. Very excited. Um, all right, that's what I've been watching. Jerry, before Seinfeld is on Netflix, Devinja
3: Hardwar, what have you been watching? I have seen Star Trek Discovery. Guys, yeah. the show exists, it's a thing. <laughs> That you can find, uh, you have to find it on the internet, because you can't really find it on your TV. Um, but it's here! It's kind of amazing. Uh, I am, honestly, like, Dave, you're the person who should be talking about this, because you're the big Trekkie. Uh, I'm really not. Uh, but I've been anticipating the show for a while, just because I am a huge Brian Fuller fanboy. I will I will watch anything this guy's attached to. And attached uh attached to it. Yeah.
2: Well, he, he, was. he was.
3: He was. He was. It's, it's a
2: whole thing. So and this the show f-
3: kind of... Go, yeah. go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say he wrote he wrote script the first two he wrote two yes. scripts, we they're not saying exactly how much of his original two scripts exists, but it's possible that what Devinder and I both watched on Sunday, the mm-hmm. two episodes were Fuller uh, yeah. Fuller esque at least. And
1: yeah. there's so Brian, like Brian the fuller, fuller, he's the guy behind uh, mm-hmm. Pushing Daisies, uh, Hannibal. And I want to say, American, American Gods. Is it? Yeah. Dave yeah.
2: Chen's favorite show. My favorite American show. Gods.
1: No, I, I actually hate that show. But um, but yeah. So Brian Fuller uh, has a lot of fans online, and I was very curious as to how this Star Trek Discovery would go. But you know, um, I just it, I could not get to the point where I was going to pay money to subscribe to CBS All Access. Same. Was my, was my really? biggest. Problem. That was really? my
0: stumbling block too. I was yeah. sitting. I literally was yeah. sitting there on my Apple TV with the app, and it was like six dollars, <laughs> and I was like. Hover,
3: hover.
0: <laughs> no, fuck you. I'm not doing this. I mean,
3: I, I get that, and we are definitely like in the midst like streaming service fatigue right now. Right there, I'm juggling so many accounts right now just because I'm following a bunch of shows. It's it's ridiculous. At the same time, how long has it been since there's been a Star Trek TV show? Like if. I, I don't know. Like the fans, guys. Like it, if you don't want to support all access, there are other ways to get it too. Like you can just like subscribe to the uh, the season pass on iTunes or something. Um, there there are ways to get it and support. Um, I am a big believer in supporting the things I love, and I think for something like this with such a devoted fan base, I'm surprised by how many people who are complaining about. Having to pay for it,
2: I was I was on your side, Devendra, until I looked at the release schedule and saw they're splitting the season. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that is more up. dollars out of that's you. That's rough. <laughs> so like, I did sign up for all access, and I said this on Twitter, but I signed up for like the commercial free, which is ten dollars uh-huh. a month. But something that someone brought up to me on Twitter that didn't occur to me, but apparently a lot of people do this with like signing up for various streaming services is just wait till the season's over, yeah. Pay for one month, marathon the whole it. thing, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, I, I agree hey, with Devendra. I am. Yeah. I am very much for like paying, for, you know, like we come from a time when we would go to the video store and pay money to rent in each individual movie, which is like crazy to some people now, but like yeah. um so so yeah, paying paying for something for sure. Uh but yeah, this this uh, this split schedule is really it, it's nice it's kind of shitty. Now. I mean, it's, but you know, yeah. it's
3: uh, other shows have done I guess similar things too. Um so I did the whole all access thing. Uh, when the good fight was on CBS earlier this yeah. year and that was their first original show. That show is fantastic.
4: Is. Um, mm-hmm.
3: so good. And nobody has seen it because the no, thing that very few people have all access. So the thing that yeah.
0: ticked me off was when I was reading about, uh, it online, I was like, is there any other way for me to get this? Cause I know it's on Netflix nationally. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, so I was like, well, is it, you know, is there any other way? And I was reading all these articles about about CBS All Access, and they were saying the real value proposition is all of the other CBS shows you get. Ooh, and I was all, like,
3: all the other CBS
4: Young, Sheldon. You. Young Sheldon, <laughs> <Screw> <laughs> Young Sheldon, Young
0: Sheldon. Come on. Well, that was the you... tipping point that turned. I <laughs> was like, No, I am not. How dare you? I will not be paying for Big Bang Theory. And I,
4: I, so I, I think you're forgetting
0: 337
1: this? episodes of CSI. You know, like that's yeah, really yeah. The, the main selling point there.
3: And all the really old shows in CBS's catalog, too, like all the really old sitcoms, really, really old stuff. (laughs) Um, So, you know, if anybody does do all access, by the way, uh, watch the uh, The Good Fight. Which is the uh, kind of follow-up uh, spin-off from *The Good Wife*, yeah. also worth watching. You don't need to have seen *The Good Wife* to really get it, but also good. This show. Oh, let's do, just also, talk, the, show. Yeah, enough about
1: how terrible CBS All is. Let's just talk about the show. Let's okay. talk Why about *Star
0: Trek Discovery*. Good place, good show, good this, good that. Good Wife. <laughs> uh-huh. you're, you're about the good the
3: doctor. Show. There's the good yeah. doctor yeah. now. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, this show is good. Uh, <laughs> I'll say that uh, I have seen the first two episodes. For some reason, CBS just aired the. First episode on the on the actual network Sunday night, even though the two episodes that are on All access right now are clearly a two part. Like they are they're a short movie. They're like a ninety minute Star Trek movie.
2: Well, that makes a lot of sense, right? They yeah. they aired an hour, it ends on a tremendous cliffhanger that first hour, and then you're like to see what happens next, to plug down your six dollars, okay. You know, I like get, that's you you know,
3: know, to to that it, it, to, to that respect, yeah, it makes sense. I don't think that first like the first episode isn't great on its own. But I think yeah. together they uh, they built a really interesting, compelling story. Um, so I just want to say I really like what's happening here. Like um, I like everything about the show. I haven't really I've never really attached myself to a Star Trek show. You know, I've tried to start Next Generation several times. And then people tell me, you got to You got to go past a whole season of crap. Before you get to the good stuff. And uh, I was just like never into like, you know, Deep Space Nine and Voyager and all that stuff. Uh, I've tried Star Trek many times, never really got into it. Uh, This show, I am completely on board, at least with what they're doing right now. I love the lead character um, played by Sonequa Martin-Green, who is um, apparently it's a rare time that the lead of the Star Trek show isn't a uh, captain.
4: The only so, time, yeah. Yeah, the
3: only time, right? Um, mm-hmm. She is, uh, what, a first officer, right? She's, She's the yeah. second second in command to Michelle Yeoh's captain, uh, you know, early on in the show. And I, I just love their dynamic. Um, there were scenes where these two women of color were fucking traveling through space and kicking ass <laughs> and adventuring. And I was tearing up a little. Like, I just loved all of that. Um, but yeah, these two episodes build up who this character is. Her name is Michael Burnham, and that is a little Brian Fuller thing. Like, uh, he likes to give his, uh, female characters male names. Um, yeah, I like Chuck. Um, but uh, the series really is all about, uh, the emergence of a Klingon threat. And I kind of love the way this is all portrayed because, you know, I'm not, not a big into the Star Trek mythology, but I love the way the Klingons are here as sort of like a, uh, They they, they're almost portrayed as like a very the thing uniting them is like a nationalistic fervor. It is somebody who is like claiming he has the, you know, the one true way to unite all the Klingon tribes. There's a lot of like religious devotion going on there. There's a lot of things that feel relevant to today. And this is the new threat that the Federation is facing. Um, I find all that pretty compelling. I really like the characters; just a great cast here. Uh, Doug Jones is in the series as yeah. Lieutenant Saru, who is, um, yeah, just a... first of all, Doug Jones. Whenever he plays a character, amazing to watch. Um, he his character here looks a lot like the uh, what the, pale the man. skinny, yeah, the pale <laughs> man. It's yeah. hard to get that image out of your mind, but he is fantastic, and he's a character who's also terrified of everything. Like, he's extremely risk-averse, and that's, like, his main uh, race's trait. I found that all pretty good. Just really like the dyna- dynamic here between Sonequa Martin Green and Michelle Yeoh. They build up, like, there are arcs here. They're just fantastic. Uh, some of the Klingons we meet, there is complete arcs here for who these characters are and kind of how they influence where the series is going, and I really appreciate that. And the series looks fantastic. Um, kind of is a cross between the Battlestar Galactica uh, dark aesthetic and and the J.J. Abrams crazy camera angles and uh, lens flare all over the place aesthetic. Uh, beautiful at times. There's some like green screen stuff that doesn't work. Uh, overall, I am really on board. Like um, This show has definitely done things I've never seen before in Star Trek, uh, given the episodes I've seen. It feels like it's breaking rules. It feels like it's taking chances. And that all sounds pretty good to me. So I can't uh, wait to see the rest. Jana Robinson sounds like you've also seen uh, first episode or two of the show.
2: Yeah, sorry to keep horning in on what I was trying to say. Um, yeah, I I grew up uh, watching all of well the original series of Next Generation. That was like my bonding thing with my sister. Uh, so I was really excited for this series, or or cautiously optimistic for this series. Uh, I was disappointed when Brian Fuller got pushed out, and um, and. I'm just wary. Like every, I agree with almost everything Devendra says, but also very wary of this whole like. It feels so calculated. It feels like mm-hmm. they're selling us something.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, Matt Myra, who's hosting this, you know, it's basically like the Talking Dead, but for, Star, but for Star Trek called After Trek. Matt Myra sort of floated the idea that this, these two hours were basically like one long cold open for what the series will actually be. And, wh- mm-hmm. you know, one of the co-creators agreed with that. He was like, yeah, you know, this is the kind of thing where... Um, we could have told this in flashback. This could yeah. just be flashback for the Michael Burnham character.
3: It's an introductory movie, basically. Yeah, yeah.
2: which you know, Battlestar did as well. But mm-hmm. um, but then I'm you know, knowing that Brian Fuller wrote two scripts, um, and then knowing, you know, I won't I will not spoil anything because I know we don't do this on this podcast. <laughs> but like knowing that. Mm-hmm the world is very different at the end of those two hours than it was the beginning of those two hours. Yeah. You almost wondering what the show will actually be. Yeah. Right like, I've heard the third episode you
3: know? is a stark contrast to these. Yeah,
2: two. Like, And so I yeah. don't know if I can heart, I can recommend these two hours, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I feel comfortable recommending the series because there's just some dramatic things that happen. Oh, that, oh
3: yeah, for you sure. Know? I, and I, I think don't that's know. always the case at the beginning of any show. All I can say is right now, I'm on board. I may, uh, you know, give up at some point, but right, now, I'm super into whatever is happening right now.
2: Yeah, that
3: makes sense. Are you?
0: Can I ask you a question, uh, Devendra? Are you mm-hmm. just uh, subscribing to CBS All Access for this show
3: right now? Yeah. So I mean, if I, you I give I up on this, show. you'll
0: just con- cancel your subscription. Yes,
3: it? and you can do that super easily, especially from like. Uh, from iTunes, it's very easy to manage all of your subscriptions. I'd really recommend people do that. If like uh, you don't, you're not watching Twin Peaks anymore, you don't need Showtime. You know, save that fifteen bucks and put it towards something that you'll be watching. Um, and it's very easy to manage all that stuff. Joanna, um, are you are you, uh, are you gonna cancel or are you gonna keep going subscribing till the end?
2: CBS All Access. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm 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 like Devendra. I'm in it as long as the show is. Give, you know, doing it for me. And when it's not, then I will quit. But oh, something I worry about and maybe should worry about for myself are like mm-hmm. the lazy people like me who will like forget to cancel. That's what
4: going. they get on. Yeah.
2: Or or also the fact, you know, like so I believe that this run will end at the end of October, or it might even be cynically one week into November.
4: <laughs> so you have to do
2: the November, you have to do the November month. And then you could cancel for December. But why why cancel December when you're just gonna re enroll in June January again. You know, like yeah. that kind of stuff, which feels so precisely calculated yeah. to squeeze all the six and $10 fees out of people, like does trouble me a little bit. As, but a, as
3: a strategy, I think it's really shitty. I don't think All Access, you know, I've been testing All Access before it even officially launched. It has been a shitty experience for a very long time, and CBS hasn't done much to fix that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I totally agree. Like, this is all very calculated to try to get subscriptions for this thing. At the same time, there are other ways to access it. Um, if you're international, you don't even have to worry about this whole mess. It's like yeah. the rare time the international crowd gets treated better than the U.S. crowd.
0: What's that thing that, uh, what, like 30% of all gift cards go unclaimed? Mm-hmm. Uh, 18% of the people that have gym memberships use it regularly. Like, it's, it's all the same yeah, uh, gamble. All, CBS
1: yeah. All Access is the gym membership of the video streaming world,
4: basically. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
1: yes. It's that thing that you get because people tell you it's good for you, and then you just never use it for many, many months until you eventually cancel it ignominiously. Um, <laughs> all that said, you know, the show sounds
3: good, Devendra. Show sounds it, good. Yeah, so. it is. It could have been a trash fire. It's not, but we'll see where it goes.
2: Well, I just have a lot of spoiler thoughts on it. I don't know where to put it, but I'll put them somewhere mm. someday for you guys to mm. access them. So.
4: I, mm. Yeah,
3: I, I, it sounds like I hear what you're thinking about, Joanna, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Devendra, what else have you been watching? Also, have been checking out the second season of The Good Place, and I just want to say I, I love the show. Glad it's back. Um, this is a tough show to talk about because I can't I can't mention anything from season <laughs> two without really saying what happened in season one. So all I can say is, The Good Place season two is fantastic. Ah, uh, but you really need to watch season one. It's pretty short. It's it's tremendous. It's so sweet. Ted Danson, everybody. Ted Danson in bow ties, just being silly. Um, has a great premise. Uh, the premise is basically: uh, Kristen Bell is playing a character who has who was basically sent to heaven uh, by mistake, and she's trying to figure out uh, how to keep that hidden. Uh, while at the same time it seems like she's destroying the world around her there. Uh, really great premise. Um, very funny. Very sweet. Like, sweeter than most things on TV. Um, I guess not surprising because also co-created by one of the people from Parks and Rec. Um, season 2 really builds on the premise, but I can't... This is a rare thing, right? Like, I can't say anything about how season two is going or what is actually happening without seeing what's spoiled at the end of season one. Um, Yeah. What's up? Can I try? Sure.
2: This. Sure. Something happens at the end of season one Mm -hmm. that threw into, like, question whether or not they could even do reasonably do a season two this is true yeah and i would say from the first the first episode which was like an hour long as a two-parter uh for me dispelled those concerns oh
3: yeah so they know what they're doing yeah unlike other shows so joanna you're
1: also a fan of uh the good place on nbc
2: yeah i mean i do think a little like you know there is a thing that happens at the end of season one i think i think some critics have gone a little bit overboard talking about how like mind-blowing it is like it's mm-hmm it's it's rare to have like a big twist in a in a sitcom so that i'm trying not to build worth, it up too much but yeah we're yeah, talking about but yeah just go like temper your expectations about the, the uh, it's hard it is hard to talk about do but not like,
3: read anything about season two that's the one takeaway from this conversation yeah
2: nothing uh, at all we can't tell you why but it's a good show
3: <laughs> <laughs> all right
1: uh, well that's a good place and uh season two is on nbc uh Devendra, what else you been watching
3: also just briefly wanted to mention toast of london which is a new show that just hit netflix it's a british series a lot of people have been telling me about because i'm a big matt berry fan and uh matt berry from uh what the it crowd the mighty boosh um love this man love pretty much everything he's in this show is about him as sort of a struggling actor in london uh just trying to trying to scrape a living and dealing with like a crazy you know bunch of characters like it's it's a very british sitcom but it's matt barry it's kind of all centered around him if you like his stuff uh i would highly recommend it if you just like like very very british sitcoms it is it's really good it's quirky it's funny lots of sight gags uh but definitely a good way to pass time that's toast of london
1: it's on netflix right now and Devindra, you also reviewed the apple tv 4k right the new yeah. apple tv yeah
3: I am in the midst of reviewing that. And, uh, yeah, people have been asking me about it. Just want to say, yeah, if you've been holding off on getting an Apple TV and you have a 4K set, this is definitely a good device for you. Um, You know, it it works just like the last one, except now there are 4K movies. And, you know, Apple is doing some interesting things because if you have a 4K HDR TV, uh, there's a thing that happens when you watch an HDR movie. Your TV kind of Blinks in and out for like a second or a couple of seconds because there's a lot of mode shifting and stuff happening behind the scenes. Um, kind of a weird, awkward experience. Um, so what Apple did with this box, they kind of just force HDR all the time. So you don't have any of that blinkiness. Um, and, you know, just jumping into something like HDR is very smooth. Uh, right now they have like over 120 films in iTunes. And Netflix is the only app that supports 4K at this point, but you know, I'm sure more are coming. It just kind of is up to Apple to negotiate those deals. Uh, the movies look great, and the most important thing here is that Apple has really like kicked the industry's ass when it comes to pricing, because the movies are no different than HD prices. So that's fifteen to twenty dollars for four K purchases.
1: Yeah, and apparently, and, uh, like existing yeah. movies get upgraded for free, right? Which is exactly which is pretty crazy if you think about it. It would be like when yes. Blu Ray came out, Sony was like, everyone gets a free Blu Ray. You know? Um, yeah, we'll just
3: replace your DVD library. Yeah, we we'll just replace you know? your like, DVDs we'll with Blu Rays.
1: Uh, I don't um, think that applies to every movie. So, for instance, if there's like a remaster, like um, mm-hmm. like there's probably going to be a new Close Encounters release from the recent remaster. Yeah. Right? That's pro- you probably you probably won't if it's get a that whole for new free. Release. Yeah, if it's yeah, a whole separate like skew, you probably won't get it. Mm-hmm. But
3: but um, I had a library of about 50 iTunes movies and several things I bought, like Star Trek Beyond, Kingsman, uh, Lego Movie, uh, were all upgraded for free, and that was really nice to see. Like those are I've been slowly kind of rebuilding my. Uh, physical movie library with 4K Blu-rays. But these things look almost as good, and the HDR is fantastic. The only downside to the Apple TV 4K is that uh, some of the HDR processing seems a little weird. Uh, Some people with certain TVs may not work correctly or may make uh, some content look strange. Uh, And the other thing is they don't support any of the newer audio formats. So theater geeks, you know, like if you like Dolby Atmos, I have one of those setups. Uh, You won't be getting any of that from the Apple TV 4K yet. Hopefully that'll change and uh, they also need to support 4K on YouTube. Right now, Apple doesn't support that codec, which is that, – that's annoying because there's a lot of great just free 4K content floating around YouTube. So I like really watching
1: my that. MKBHD in 4K for
3: sure. You got to. Yeah. <laughs> MKBHD in 4K. He's not doing HDR yet.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what, guys? <laughs> I mean, watching stuff in 4K is really important. But you know what, Jeff? I, I hear that mm-hmm.
0: uh, audio is also important. Do you, do you hear how that dare as well? How dare you? How dare you transition me? <laughs> uh-huh. I was readying the world's greatest transition, and Dave just transitions for me. I stole it right out from under you. It's like uh, none of us – none of the rest of us are going to talk about Yank what we've the been watching. away. Dave. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Dave. Hearing <laughs> is very important. Yes. <laughs> That's why I have Sonos. <laughs> Honestly, i i bought I bought Sonos uh, back in April, and it is one of the best things I did in my new house. I bought the Playbase, which uh, is the centerpiece of my home theater, but it's also the centerpiece of now my music consumption as well. You know what? I also I bought just recently. Actually, my wife gave it to me as a as a uh, Father's Day gift. Or no, Father's Day. Well, that was. Longer, longer ago. What happened more recently? She gave it to me. No, uh, oh, maybe it was anniversary, anniversary gift. I don't know. Uh, anyway, she gave it to me as a gift. Uh, was the uh, the Sonos Connect, which allowed me to connect our old analog turntable nice. to my Sonos sound system. So all of our vinyl now can be played mm-hmm. through the surround system, through the play bass, through our play ones as rear speakers. So it's such a versatile, modular system. You can really set it up however you want, set up rooms the way you want, but all of that wouldn't matter if the sound wasn't great. And it is truly the best sound system I've ever had in my entire life. I'm so pleased. I love showing it off. I love cranking it up. I have the sub, the Sonos sub, which is the subwoofer. It just rocks. And watching movies, you guys can attest to that, right? Watching movies in your surround sound on your Sonos, unparalleled right oh,
1: yeah yeah it's it's gone to the point where whenever i'm watching a movie that doesn't have sonos it feels like an inferior experience i mean that's that
0: is that you different. at your friend's house you just stand up and march out of the room and say i'm going home <laughs> to my sonos yes
1: <laughs> exactly in that term in those words that's exactly yeah. right um it, it's it's fantastic i have the play base too, and um uh i also have uh two play ones uh, that create like this kind of 5.1 surround sound and uh with a sub it it sounds awesome i listen to everything I, like it's, it's one of those things where i'm i look forward to listening to things you know what i mean because mm-hmm. i can hear them on the sonos
0: if you want to be indignant to your friends like dave chen why don't you get your own sonos we're going to help you out we're going to give you this is really cool sonos is doing a very special thing just for slash phonecast listeners any order on sonos.com up to $2,500 so any order $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com, 10% off. All you got to do is use our promo code. That's FilmCast10. It's a capital F I L M C A S T. And then 10 on Sonos.com gets you 10% off any order of 2500 dollars or less. Of course, this is available for only a limited time and cannot be combined with any other discounts or promotions. But what a great deal. Uh, upgrade your sound. Listen to you, honestly, it takes hearing to believe how good this is with no wires you have no you just plug it into an outlet and you don't have it's all wireless it's more convenient easier to use and sounds better than anything i've ever had before so i'm i'm a very happy sonos customer myself uh and i hope you guys will be too we're so glad that they've sponsored the slash film cast
1: jeff uh, just out of curiosity what was your transition gonna
3: be
0: you don't get to hear it now dave <laughs> maybe maybe next week
3: all right all right right. (laughs) it it was pretty perfect right right from apple tv yeah
1: yeah Yeah. all right jeff what have you been watching
0: (laughs) i've been also listening to things dave uh with a great (laughs) sound system oh wait sorry we did that already um i have actually this is an amazing thing to listen to i uh my wife and i started watching the new ken burns Linovic documentary vietnam this is a 18-hour, I believe, uh, documentary, so we've, we've just scratched the surface of it, uh, but it is tremendous. Uh, if you've ever experienced any of the Ken Burns-Lynn Novak joints in the past, uh, they are incredibly detailed, deep dives into topics, uh, giving you context, really making you understand the history, but doing it in a way that's very palatable and very entertaining. It's not some it doesn't feel dry and you know some some documentaries especially historical documentaries can feel like you're in school you know which not something i usually mind but some people do uh, these i mean this this is wall to wall with the the sound of that time the music that they got the rights to they managed to a- approach a lot of these uh, 60s artists because you know during vietnam this, it was an amazing time for music and they approached these artists and got them to give up the rights to their music at uh, just a small, small cost. And so it's wall to wall with some of the most incredible music. The other thing that they did that is absolutely incredible, and you don't even really realize it as you're watching it, but they got so much footage that's never been seen before. They, had t- they put this thing together over 10 years. They went and got all this archival footage that no one's ever seen before. They went and got – uh, Vietnamese footage that people haven't seen, so they're really showing it from both sides. But most of that footage was MOS was, was had no audio track. It was just visual footage, and they built painstakingly built beds of audio to create a audio visual experience. And they researched the exact sound of the guns that you you need to see and the tanks and the helicopters and all the stuff that you're seeing. And they made it seem as if these pieces of, of video, these film strips that they found actually had audio tracks with them. It's an extraordinarily painstaking amount of work that they put in. And it really makes it feel more real and makes you feel like you're actually watching, um, you know, real footage from that time that, that had this all along more than that, more than all of the sort of wizardry and the amount of effort and the the um, the comprehensive nature of what they put together, which is staggering, more than that, a, it's fascinating. And b, it is directly applicable to what's going on now. It is shocking what was going what what was happening in the White House. you had a leader who was uh, paranoid and who was uh, going into this war for all the, the wrong reasons and staying in it. It, it, is, it, it. There's a lot of crazy parallels to things that are much more contemporary. There is uh, you know, just the staggering amount of loss of life. You know We have these weird belligerent statements on both sides talking about wiping uh, North Korea off the map. And you, th- you think about what was done in South Vietnam and h- what a massive loss of life that was for an entire generation of people on both sides. And you really get both sides from this. I couldn't help but be moved just in the first couple of episodes seeing the perspective of the Vietnamese and how much death was caused for this, for really no reason in this intractable situation and thinking, Oh my God, we can just flippantly talk about wiping a country off the map with all of its people. How many hundreds of thousands of civilians were killed in Vietnam? You know, they said a million people lost their lives just there. Uh, -hmm. it's, it's a staggering, piece of work and it is one that will resonate with me forever. It is, it has educated me, uh, about that time period that isn't that long ago, right? My dad lived through it. And, and I'm sure many of our listeners have relatives that lived through it and to be able to do such a comprehensive look at that time period with so many people that were there that you can go and interview, you know, it it is, it's amazing.
1: All right. That's Ken Burns and Lynn Novick's Vietnam. And Jeff, how are you watching that? Is it on PBS?
0: It is on PBS. I downloaded the PBS app on my Apple TV, and uh, I find it to be really cool, really easy to use. You just link it. It's free. You just link it to, through your, uh, your PC or mobile device, and uh, you have access to any of the episodes that have aired at any time.
1: Super cool. Uh, again, that's Vietnam, uh, and it's on PBS. John Robinson, I depend on you to learn what's going on in TV. You know, uh, to recommend some things. And after Jeff's massive recommendation of this huge, towering yeah. work of importance, yeah, I am curious what I'm you've a, been watching this week.
2: Yeah, like as I promised before, we started recording, guys. I'm here to elevate the conversation. I mean. Mm. <laughs> Vietnam documentaries are fun and good. But um, what about an animated series about ducks, guys? <laughs> um,
4: <laughs> exactly. That's, that's I, all we have to say. <laughs> I've been
2: watching the new uh, Disney XD series, DuckTales. Uh, I, I sort of skipped it for a while, and then there was just enough hype around it that I decided to watch it. And, you know, I, I grew up watching DuckTales and Tailspin and. Darkwing Duck and all that great stuff, um, but uh, you know this is this is Ducktales for a new generation uh, with David Tennant voicing um, Scrooge McDuck, and you've got Bobby Moynihan, Danny Putty from uh, Community, and. Um, Man, I forget his name. I'm going to look it up while I'm talking. But, uh, uh, you know, voicing Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And Kate uh, Kate Micucci is this little girl, Webby. Anyway, point being, they go on adventures. It's surprisingly sharp and delightful. Um, one of the writers on the show is Noelle Stevenson, who uh, your listeners might know she did. She wrote on the comic Lumberjanes. And also, she wrote the graphic novel Nimona, which was like a New York Times bestseller. Uh, and she's really good at doing this, like light but progressive uh, storytelling about kids. Ben Schwartz plays Dewey Duck. Um, oh, I, love and, and I, yeah. I love Ben Schwartz. I know. I love Ben Schwartz. I don't know why is. Name went out of my head. And it's just like it's those people, you know, like Jim Rash from community is doing a voice. Beck Bennett from Sunday Live is Lunchpad, McQuack. You'll recognize all the voices of I'm sure of the kids people. are gonna be
3: really excited about this casting. I
2: think they're most I think they're, they're most so excited great. about Margo Martindale, who's playing Ma Beagle. She's basically doing Mags Bennett from Justified, like the exact same oh, character. Man. Um it so, is
0: as if Netflix cast this to be you know oscar bait and it's a kids animated
2: can't get enough eye-popping jaw-dropping heart-stopping reality tv it's the best then head to hey you home of reality on demand stream and download the latest episodes from shows like keeping up with the kardashians and the real housewives same day as the u.s what's more fun than that Or binge old faves like The Simple Life and The Hills. That's hot.
1: Hey You, reality on demand. Start your one month free trial now. series
2: (laughs) yeah so it's um but yeah so my point is you know and and parents have been telling me this for years with shows like um well I mean I love Steven Universe um but but parents swear to me that like the My Little Pony that had like a run a couple years ago was amazing and just really good on a level for kids but then also on a really enjoyable level for adults so you might just want to give it a whirl it doesn't like it's not really like um Putting me off in a sort of this is too nostalgic sort of way because I don't have a lot of memory of Ducktales. I I remember the characters, but I'm not like, well, the Ducktales lore and blah blah, blah, you know. And um, is the giant pit of money there? It's there. (laughs) They swim in it. That's all all I care
0: about. The theme song. The theme song is the beginning and the end of the nostalgia. Is really there. The
2: theme song is also there. David Tennant is freaking great as Scrooge McDuck. So um, yeah, I'm just glad
0: that every
1: day they're out there making. DuckTales. Woo-woo. I mean... Tales of Daring <laughs>
0: do bad and good DuckTales?
2: Bad and <laughs> good Ducktales, yeah. You know, yeah. guys,
0: uh, I've said a lot of things on the show, both good and bad, that have gotten a lot of reaction. But I've never said anything on the show that has gotten more Twitter reaction than when I said it as Donald Duck. Uh, people, I just love the fact that you brought this up because it gives me a chance to maybe do my Donald Duck again. Yes. Wait. If, if there's enough, if children put your hands together, would you like to hear Donald Duck come out right now? <laughs>
2: do you believe in fairies? Do I you? Do. I'm clapping. I'll <laughs> drag okay, everybody, lucky me to
0: say? I'll hello, children.
2: Wow. I think I um. love <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's
1: great, Jeff.
2: Um <laughs> maybe we should maybe Save we should price. assassinate the guy who does cuz Donald Duck is a main character yeah. in DuckTales.
3: Yeah. You know should, Joanna, I was thinking the same thing.
2: Were you yeah, thinking yeah, about yeah, killing a voice actor?
3: <laughs> Guys, no one. Listen,
0: everybody listening to this, take a vow of silence. We are going to murder the guy doing DuckTales. We're going to install me and no one will know. It'll be oh. seamless and you are we are all we are all in a blood pact now. Oh
3: guys, you so are if now what
1: you're
0: if, all accomplices.
1: What if that person actually dies horribly in real life then we'll feel bad about making this joke guys.
2: Oh my god. <laughs> Tony Tony Anselmo, wherever you are, stay alive. Yes, we're just we're just <laughs> we're, kidding we're Tony Anselmo. We're all implicated. Yes,
1: we're all yeah, implicated. You're,
0: you're all accomplices <laughs> just because you downloaded this episode.
2: Sorry.
1: <laughs> also we're also we're all big fans of Tony Anselmo, Jeff most of all. So.
0: am black. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Guys, uh I'm gonna pull an audible here. All right. We're we're an hour into this episode. We gotta get going. We gotta get moving yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. to our uh review of Kingsman. Before we do that, wanna thank all the people that donated to the podcast. Thanks to Tobias from Germany, Arthur Wickoff and Jamie from Vancouver, British Columbia. Thanks also to you subscribers, Adam Selby, at the rate of $2 per month. Thanks so much to everyone who contributes to this podcast and helps us defray the cost of seeing movies and putting on the show. Uh, you can always help us out by going to slashfilm.com, click on the slashfilmcast tab, use the PayPal links on the side of the page, or go to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash and then the word filmcast. Uh, thanks so much, everyone. And let's get to our review of Kingsman, the Golden Circle. Exe, I saw in you what someone
0: once saw in me, something that can't be taught, the makings of a Kingsman. Being a Kingsman is more than the clothing we wear or the weapons we bear. It's about being willing to sacrifice for the greater good. I hope you're ready for what comes next.
1: When their headquarters are destroyed and the world is held hostage, the Kingsmen's journey leads them to the discovery of an allied spy organization in the U.S. These two elite secret organizations must band together to defeat a common enemy. I- I'm going to say right up top before we get to this review that there is a major character that's introduced in Kingsman: <laughs> The Golden Circle who appears prominently in the trailers. Yeah. And is arguably a spoiler to give away that this character is in the movie. But we are going to give it away. Because he's in the trailer. He's one of the very first poster art images. Yeah. If the uh, studio
3: can't keep it secret. In, yeah. I, is, yeah. I don't feel beholden to that.
2: Is, in fact, the image you chose for this very <laughs> live chat. Yeah. <laughs> <He's> there. Good <laughs> job.
3: Um,
1: yeah, Did my not mistake. think this one through.
0: Can we also <laughs> say at the top, right at the top. Enough with the John Denver Hollywood. <laughs> it was cute. It was cute when we were in a Denver Assance. Hey. Now it's an now it's an epidemic. I, I have more to I have more to say about that
3: in spoilers, yeah, let's but I talk will about say that in spoilers, but I, I did not hate this.
1: I will say I that the it. movie yeah. opens with a bagpipe rendition of John Denver's Take Me Home Country Road and I just thought to myself is that John Denver? Is this really like, like the fifth again. movie not I've seen again. this year? It, that It's features... not just
0: that. It's not just that these movies have that yeah, music. It's a, it's... All of these movies' central plot point. Yes, it is central,
3: like this <laughs> plot point. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Anyway, this is also a movie where John Denver like tracks also coexist with Prince. Like it's this movie has right. oh, everything. Don't, this is...
0: do not get me started yeah. on that. Okay, there's
3: okay. No, well, I, no I want
1: bigger... I, I want to get you started on it, Jeff. Yes, but first, uh, I'm going to get Joanna Robinson started on her thoughts on this no. movie. Uh, John, I don't know if I heard what your opinion of the original Kingsman was. Um,
2: oh, my God. But yeah, okay.
1: drop some knowledge on us.
2: I love Kingsman. Um, first, well, really quickly, I want to say if you're listening to this and you like haven't noticed all the John Denver and all the movies, though probably you guys have brought it up on the Slash Home cast before, uh, Karen Hahn wrote a great piece on Vulture – like why is John Denver's music in so many movies this year? Uh, running through all the various things, so uh,
4: I sure, love John short Denver. short version.
1: Like his estate has started like licensing it out pretty aggressively, and uh, many people have been happy to oblige them. I, th- I, I used to this. love John. It, was Denver. that
2: was that your takeaway? I thought it was just sort of like they said that they got an uptick in requests wasn't that they were like huh. the aggressors that okay, they were I got to go
1: back and I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. I got to go back and like read that article. I did <laughs> read that the article.
0: Fire sale. They're just like, <laughs> everything must go. All Denver. Must
2: go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I call King, the Kingsman franchise, my problematic fave franchise hmm. uh, because I loved the first one and everyone's like, uh oh, that terrible joke at the end oh, ruined everything. And I was like, Nope, I'm on board for it. Um, so I love the first one, and I I really enjoyed this one. I saw I actually saw it twice this weekend with Whoa. like two different oh, two wow. different two different friend groups who wanted to see it, and it's like a really fun movie to watch with friends. And so um, I happily went back a second time. I hear all of the criticisms that people have. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree. I have one like like a fairly major bone to pick, and it's actually probably not the one you're thinking of, but. Um, <laughs> But um, it doesn't
1: have to do with a vagina camera.
2: It's not that. So <laughs> no, we can talk wow. about that. But um but I do I there's something about this franchise and and like mm-hmm. um my colleague at Vanity Fair Richard Lawson wrote this great review where he sort of admitted that like not only does he consider Kingsman his problematic fave, but he admitted he's like I think Taryn Edgerson's really cute. And that definitely flavors my opinion of this. And he wrote about it in, like, the anti, like, sort of creepy way that some, like, film critics can sometimes write about, like, I have a crush on the lead and that's why I like this. Uh, He sort of, he did a really good job deconstructing that particular, like, approach to a movie. So I will say, hopefully in a non-creepy way, that the liberal use of Pedro Pascal in this movie has perhaps made me um, (laughs) a biased observer of Kingsman. That's why you saw it
4: twice. Yeah.
2: Yes, once for Pedro, the second time for Pascal. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well done. All right. Jeff Canada, your thoughts on Kingsman the Golden Circle.
0: Well, you know, I I will uh reinforce what Joanna was saying as far as um uh there there is something my wife loves this series. She we went to the first one together before we had a child. And we both loved it. I remember raving about it on the show and uh, my wife loved it as well. And now that we have a a one-year-old, it's very difficult for her to ever go to the movies at all, let alone with me. Um, But this was one where she said, Hey, when that movie comes around, I know you guys are going to review it. I need to go with you to see this. We'll get a babysitter. We got my mother-in-law to come and babysit. Like it was a whole to do. It was a whole thing because she wanted to see this movie so bad. Uh, she loves it so i am there's something about it that that you know she's right there with you i would say first of all the prince thing i can't not talk about the prince right
1: thing. so this so is okay. the first film ever
0: i think yes. uh, since uh, other than his films other than yes. his films purple right. rain under a cherry moon yeah right uh, so,
1: that that feature a, this is the first uh, film that has featured a licensed
0: prince track in the it movie. is i am a huge prince fan and there is no bigger display (laughs) that he's dead than the fact that this song is in this movie yeah it is it is it is it it. is a billboard that says prince is dead and that fucking sucks dude he would never allow this he would never (laughs) let it happen and it sucks that he's a state now whoever's controlling it this is going to be, it's going to be John Denver. It's going to be, there's good. And it's not even a fucking obscure Prince song. It's fucking let's go crazy. It's like, how more on the nose could you be Kingsman? I mean, come on. Now this action sequence that it's scoring for all intents and purposes is a pretty cool one. But I was so distraught in that moment. <laughs> just going, you're just, you're just saying Prince is dead. Man. Yay. We're dancing on his grave. Literally. Um, I don't know. Not literally, but you know what you I mean. You took the a dark
3: place, Jeff, but I, I also <laughs> felt something similar. Like, oh, this is weird. Why is this happening now? Oh, that's He's why. dead. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I love Prince.
0: Um, so <laughs> the movie, eh, I think the first half of this movie is, is pretty bad. Uh, and I was really disappointed with it for like almost the first full half of the movie. It's meanders, there's like plot threads that are just goofy and Mm -hmm. really don't need to be there. And they're asking me to swallow giant weird. I mean, it's very comic booky, right? Which I like, you know, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, but also like how a certain character comes back is like, really? Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah.
4: Yeah.
1: We'll have to talk about that more in spoilers, but yeah, I disagree with you, but
0: yeah. Um, but the movie really won me over with the second half. It, 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 it's so fun in the second half, and it sort of recaptures the magic of, uh, of the first movie in that second half with some really fun set pieces that show up. But the first half is, is just – it's so weirdly paced, and mm. it, it, it meanders into areas that I don't think are interesting. And the premise of this one, which is like there are multiple Kingsmanses. Um, and we'll get into spoilers, but I, I thought that was really clever. I, I like that world building thing. I just thought how it was built and and the details of that weren't particularly interesting. And some of the plot machinations to make that make that necessary were really rushed and bizarre. Uh, I just thought the whole first half was just really clunky and poorly executed. But the movie really won me over in the second half, particularly um, uh, Julianne Moore, who we haven't mentioned yet, is is amazing in this movie, um, and there's some fun stuff that happens in that second half that just is is too fun to ignore. But it certainly wasn't the supreme home run that I thought the first movie was. Mm.
1: Uh, well, apparently there was a three-hour and forty-minute-long cut of this film. Oh wow! Uh, I, think yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. I think that's
2: pretty apparent, actually. Yeah,
1: uh, it was almost split into two parts: the like Golden Circle, Part One and Part Two, uh, like two separate I think that films.
3: Probably been better.
1: Yeah, because uh, there's there's many subplots that feel just completely interrupted and not right. fully fully fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so some of the editing is a bit odd um, and we can get into that more in spoilers. Um, but yeah, all that said, for me, you know, uh, I'll just say very briefly, this is a movie that I felt like uh, was, was fun. There was, a, there was a big opening action scene and then nothing. For like an right. hour, like just no action <laughs> for like an hour. And then it really finally picks up at the, in the second half. So I totally agree with what you're saying, Jeff. This is a movie that I thought was, was, was pretty fun but had no business whatsoever being two hours and 20 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, like great. John Robinson, I right. wanted to see this movie again, but it just is so long. You know, if it was like one hour and 45 minutes, maybe I would have seen it again.
0: But <laughs> yeah, that, two 90-minute movies. like you, I didn't know that that was a possibility, but two 90-minute movies, this would have been a, it would have been great.
2: Yeah, yeah, but instead mm. it's uh, – yeah, No, but it, it would have been like one movie that you didn't like, which is the first one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably the yeah. movie that you did.
1: Yeah, uh, maybe he cut a bunch of action scenes out of the first half. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, Devinder Hardwar, your thoughts on Kingspin the Golden Circle?
2: I could
3: definitely see where you guys are coming from. I can't uh, – I don't know if it's the first half that's long, uh, but it definitely feels overlong just overall. Uh, but he, at the same time, I had a lot of fun with this. Um, I think it builds on the original in some really interesting ways. Like that, uh, that that one little gag from the end of the movie is actually this movie is all about him trying to like keep that relationship alive and trying to build that relationship. And I found that to be, uh, I kind of gave props to the movie for that because that's yeah. something. As right. much as these movies try to lampoon James Bond and everything, that's also something. You would, you really wouldn't see in a James Bond movie, right? Like him carrying that relationship across two movies and yeah. trying to build on it in a way. So I gave the movie a lot of respect for that. It's almost um, subversive, yeah, it's like, it's
0: subversive. Yeah, it's
3: subversive by being somewhat Wholesome. mature about yeah. how it's treating this relationship. And like he, yeah, there's stuff to talk about in spoilers. There's definitely that one gross scene that we will all talk about that I think <laughs> is grosser than anything michael bay has done it is, it is <laughs> tremendously gross but at the same time like it's it's a ton of fun love most of the cast really sad uh that we lose certain characters i would have liked to see more from yeah i'll have to wait for spoilers from that i also have to say i think the action is just a lot more coherent and a lot more well motivated in this movie than the first one and part of the problem i had with the first movie which i liked but i didn't love it as much as uh you folks maybe um i, I think a lot of things that that church scene in the first Kingsman, you know, that movie, that scene is a great tech demo. It is a great way to show that you can use CG to replace an older man and make him look like he's doing cool things. But it's also pretty incoherent, not really well motivated. And you, we didn't even really see the consequences of what happened there either. Um, and I, I think this movie, in terms of like those big action sequences, it just does a lot better i really liked um disagree with
1: uh, everything every, almost every oh, word in the last 30 seconds
3: that church <laughs> sequence you, you can rewatch that and Yeah, no, i, I, I actually I, I did rewatch i it. understand dave like i understand that that just hits all of your triggers for, yeah. for like a fun yeah, action scene i ended up rewatched it's
0: so loaded, dave. it in 4k every mm. <laughs> uh, so, yeah.
3: i did I, I also didn't have time to i, I, mean, I, I did,
1: did i did rewatch that scene in preparation uh-huh. for today and i i do think that it captures For good or ill, everything Mm -hmm. about Kingsman that made a Kingsman, that is to say, it had this extremely flashy style of shooting, uh, Mm -hmm. this mindless, gory violence uh, being done by this guy in a great suit and uh you know you know amazing glasses amazing glasses <laughs> and uh almost There's no like no attempt to deal with any of the consequences of these actions yeah um, that's and
2: exactly so, what kingsman is yeah that's what
1: i'm saying that's what i'm saying uh, like i think i think uh, it, i think uh, it captures... I'm
3: saying no though i i think this movie in particular when it comes to things simple things like the relationship like they turn an anal sex stroke into a relationship that he's trying to save Uh, throughout the entire movie like i do think in some ways it subverts our expectations that particular scene i think just because the first movie did a great job of building up uh eggy eggy's like background like his home life and kind of the class structure like that movie did certain things really well and i feel like that scene just always felt like it dropped the ball for me uh i'm just saying this movie at least with these sequences especially uh pedro pascal uh, who is fantastic. Oh, so I, I don't know what he's, he is. A, <laughs> he is a cowboy in New York, uh, mm-hmm. but also, like, you know, clearly he is a Latino man, but wearing the swagger of, like, a typical, you know, white it's Western Bart cowboy. Reynolds. Yeah, of It's, totally Reynolds. Like Reynolds. it's, all, yeah. it's so all good. So good. And I think he has probably the best action sequence in the movie, too. Mm. He has two
2: of them, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe three, if you want to count the third one. Anyway, um, the... I want to rebut what you said, Devinder, but I don't have to wait for the spoiler section <laughs> yeah I, I mean in terms I, of the, of the sequel grappling with the emotional fallout of right. large scale violence I disagree I disagree, well, like, and I, I I disagree about that, scene. that like completely i I yeah.
1: think the church scene for good or ill, and i I remember being deeply uncomfortable with it when I first saw it, but it is for, uncomfortable, yeah. yeah, for good or ill uh, like in, in many ways represents the first film, and i feel and here's the thing as as problematic as that scene is it's something i remember it's something that like very very rarely has been done before nothing in the second movie rises to that level in my opinion in terms of how memorable it is like visually inventive it is and in fact like the the kind of floaty camera method they use for that scene they use for many action scenes in this movie and i felt it was a little overdone this kind of speed ramping you know uh inf- like um omnipotent or not omnipotent omniscient camera like where it kind of goes everywhere Mm -hmm. virtual Mm -hmm. camera
3: it's a cg camera
1: yeah Yeah. kind of like a cg camera um it's it's used heavily in many action scenes in this movie didn't quite work for me like i could i I can deal with it for like one scene in a movie or two scenes but Mm -hmm. it felt like three or four scenes it was used and um
3: he definitely yeah yeah, is it feels like a signature style that matthew vaughn is trying to like cement for the series and it's definitely going over because it's
2: not it's not a Vaughn thing because he doesn't he definitely didn't have it in first class. I don't nope. remember it from Kick-Ass.
3: Yeah. Also
2: it, not in Stardust. It or feels like games, he was though. building
3: up to it like Kick-Ass was such a low budget thing like this. This series is basically his like he is a kid in a candy store. He yeah. has a huge budget yeah. and he could do whatever he wants, and this is kind of his, his pure id right now.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm here for it, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, here.
1: overall, I enjoyed myself. Just felt the movie was a little long. But I, what this movie series really does is. It takes the campiness and silliness of the Bond films and it doubles down on them. It acknowledges mm-hmm. it. It knows what it is. It says like I I know how ridiculous this premise is, and we're going to just make it twice as ridiculous as you thought it was. Yeah. you know.
3: And but it also uh, it also grounds all of that in I think decent emotional stakes, and that's think, important too. Uh, yeah, I think
1: actually uh, I was like mildly moved by the relationship between Eggsy and uh, another major character uh, you yep. know, in this movie, and mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, that's some that's some solid character work. So it, it, I would give it you know, like a B minus or so, you know, it wasn't the, it wasn't a terrible movie, but um I also think Kingsman One had a lot going for it, which is that it it had a level of novelty. That I don't think yeah, this it was, movie has element it was
2: right. of surprise. Right, element sort of surprise, thing, and just like yeah. you've already,
1: we've already seen that before. The the yeah. the plot, uh, the evil plot of this movie is <laughs> quite similar to
3: the evil plot of the first uh-huh. film. Um, and so, same thing yeah. with the uh, Guardians, by the way. Right, like the novelty of that first movie. Right, just, you, yeah, the sequel couldn't quite recapture that. There
1: so, is this kind yeah, of novelty definitely. aspect that you're like when you see something that's just bold and new come out of nowhere, you kind of give it a little bit of a, a little bit of a bump in your mind in mm-hmm. terms of like how how highly you think of it. And then when this one comes out, it doesn't do that much new. It introduces all these new characters, but in my opinion, it doesn't do that much with them. I mean, I think Hallie, Academy Award winner Halle Berry,
3: is wasted in this movie. As is she's Chang definitely Tatum. wasted herself more in other films. Yeah, that's the I was about to say, like, yeah.
2: This, this is a, like not the most egregious waste it's of Halle Berry I've seen right. post Oscar. Yeah. This is
1: this is uh, definitely better than Catwoman. In, in, in between Catwoman and this movie, this is definitely uh-huh. a better movie. Um, it is weird
0: that they. it seemed like they got whoever they wanted casting-wise. Like, they literally could just take oh, their yeah. pick of the most appropriate big-name actor for any tiny little part, and they didn't know what to do with them.
1: Yeah, well, it, it feels talk, like Channing I, Tatum was totally wasted in this movie. Joanna? Can I talk about yeah, yeah.
2: the Channing Tatum thing? The, I, 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 we may have to wait
3: for spoilers. Yeah,
1: let's, let's just get the spoilers now, guys, because uh, we have a lot Ooh. more to discuss. So spoilers for Kingsman yeah. the Golden Circle starting right now.
3: Now you're looking for the secret. Trying
4: to see this coming?
1: No. But you won't find it because, of course...
4: You're not going to see this coming.
1: You're not really looking. I have been
4: puzzling over how it works.
1: You don't really want to work it out.
0: Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret You want
1: to be fooled. Jonah Robinson, tell us about the Channing Tatum thing, as you said.
2: The the Channing Tatum thing is like... I suspected this when I was watching this. I was like, Channing, like, was... Barely there. That's I like obvious. I
1: like how you're on a first name basis with Channing. That's cool.
0: Yeah,
2: oh, yeah. C tapes <laughs> was barely there. That's it should very it obvious. should be
0: there should be some sort of flag on the field for even advertising him in the movie. All the posters <laughs> are like him standing back to back with all the other characters. Is like uh, you know he's
2: well that's that's, that's not the not thing. Fr- it's Like he can't he do originally- that he originally had a much bigger part and that's um like they've they've said that he had a much bigger part he like in the footage that they showed at CinemaCon last year he had the lasso so i don't know if he was going to have the lasso and everything but like he had the lasso and then scheduling a scheduling thing happened and they had to like lose channing him. and oh, so like wow. i think the literally whole literally put him in the in they the put tube, him clearly. on ice <laughs> they put channing on ice they gave the whip to pedro and that's like so there's a lot of funkiness I think around that around Mm -hmm. like Pedro's character sort of like stepping up out of nowhere to defend them uh in the bar uh but then it's double crossing that you know like all this sort of stuff it's just sort of like that definitely that should have been Channing Tatum in that scene because he's the one sort of with a relationship with them you know and all that sort of stuff so um so that's, I think, what happened. The side effect of that, I mean, so it's it's ridiculous that Channing Tatum is front and center in all the posters. His <laughs> name is up there, and stuff like that. Pedro Pascal's isn't. His name is not on the poster. He's not on most of the posters. So that's like an injustice, huge injustice. Yeah. But uh, who,
3: who is holding the lasso in the coming soon poster? By the way, that's that's hmm. what I'm looking at. I guess it is. We it looks like Channing.
2: Hmm. That's funny. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. just so, even in the early ads, yeah.
2: So, um, this the side the side benefit being we got more Pedro Pascal, which I'm on record as saying mm-hmm. is, is great. Uh, the other thing that I want to address that you, you made said that very clear, yes. <laughs> do. You guys get it yet? Okay. Yeah. Uh, the other yeah. thing I want to say is that uh, what Divendra said. I think the fallout from the complete eradication of the Kingsman and Eggsy's friend and his dog. Oh, is It's just like vapor in this movie. Like they, he gives toasts yeah. and yeah, when he like kills Charlie, he's like, this is for this. But like th- that, that huge mass scale violence is yeah. really not dealt with as far as I'm concerned. And, and it isn't
0: the, earned on the front end either. Like no. the, how she finds them to can, she could just flip a switch and they're all exploding. like, it just completely undermines any cool stuff about the Kingsmen, how secret y they are, if you could just kill them all in a moment. You They're know, pretty dumb. Well, she did Even use that arm to hack her system. Yeah. yeah. But,
4: yeah. but
3: yeah. Yeah, don't forget <laughs> about the robot arm, Jeff.
2: But nice. what, bothers, <laughs> what bothers I was too me pissed more... about Prince at that time. <laughs> what bothers me more than like the vagina camera scene, which I consider mm-hmm. to be like a massive James Bond spoof, but I feel like they yeah. Could yeah. cut away much earlier and I would have been much more comfortable with it <laughs> is um Killing fridging Roxy. That really bothered me. Yeah. Because like uh when people came came at me about liking the first Kingsman and they're like, It's so sexist. I was like, Roxy's better agent than he is. Like I I think that character's cool and I really like her. And and someone, I forget who, was like, they're probably gonna fridge her in the second movie. I was like, No way are they gonna fridge Roxy oh. in the second movie. And then Boom! So the did. movie, and the
1: movie made you look like a fool, Joanna.
2: And I I was the fool. Um, and and even, and the way that scene plays out, because like the 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 missile comes for her. And she goes, Oh shit, she kind of like jumps mm-hmm. away. And in a movie where Colin Firth can come back from a bullet shot to the head, I was like, I kept waiting for Roxy to show back up. Hey, we like, we don't know what's going yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this.
1: If there is a Kingsman three, I am actually betting money that Roxy's gonna be back. That's my half cyborg Roxy. Yeah. yeah. Can I'm...
2: you do that? Well then then I hope <laughs> they literally I hope they literally fridged her as in that's how Indiana Jones survived a nuke. So I hope that Roxy <laughs> found the fridge
4: and and she a too. fridge. She's literally in a fridge and she survived. <laughs> It's the opposite uh, yeah. of
1: fridging, basically. Um, yeah, I, I think she's going to be back. Uh, but we, we we haven't talked about Colin Firth and how they brought him back, which was with um, nanotechnology injected into his skull.
3: Nano um, head gel. Sure, why not?
0: Yeah, I, and then I we just... spend an interminable amount of time with him seeing butterflies in a room. How are you hey, gonna man. wake him character back character up? Yeah, hey, I,
1: I actually loved, all, I loved. I loved all that I, I stuff.
0: I thought it was great. Uh, I thought because because I
1: thought that um, the nano gel was a great, like super over the top. It mm-hmm. makes no sense at
0: all. Oh yeah, um, that's like an, an Austin. Can, can you explain Powers to me gag. why why they even showed up and and took him? Like, there's 400 people with bullets in their heads. <laughs> why did they take the dude? That dude? Like
3: they, they, they didn't know who he was. The intelligence. They assumed <laughs> he was glasses. like them because yeah, because of the glasses. Yeah, because glass. the glasses and how irresponsible
0: a organization <laughs> to not use that nanotechnology to the greater good of humanity. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do you yeah. mean and revive all the uh, what sure. white supremacists the or whatever the... yeah
0: this well no just everybody who's ever had a head injury
1: <laughs> true. True. uh well we can't we can't let all the secrets get out Jeff. we can't let all the secrets
3: I mean, get out. I, I think that that is one of those things where if you think a bit too hard about what's happening in this movie like it falls apart too like uh even in that opening chase right where the bad guy is just sitting there having a conversation or standing there having a conversation with Exy with a gun pointing at him and the taxi driver is doing what He's just like, he is right there. (laughs) They're right next to each other. And then he has to be like, hey, by the way, look at what's happening in the backseat. Oh, I don't know. And the driver's
4: like, oh
2: i don't think he's a taxi driver i think he was like a kingsman yeah driver. he's a, King's, he's he's a, a kingsman K-
1: dude
3: yeah
2: whatever guys the guy was sitting right there if he's a kingsman driver he should be even
3: better at this so th- th- that's the sort of thing where i think like the the construct of yeah. these sequences like well oh, uh, we uh, get- also have
0: a we also have a super villain who forces people to have the most loyalty ever but also has robots. Like you got to pick one, one <laughs> or the other. You have either the robot army or you have the super loyal, do weird shit to yourself to prove how loyal you are. Army. Her yeah. They're I'm mutually really exclusive. They're It's redundant.
2: <laughs> um, I uh, Something that I didn't mention in the non-spoiler section I want to say here, uh, which is the controversial opinion apparently, I loved every single choice that Elton John made in this movie. <laughs> I think this is like the platonic ideal of a celebrity cameo. <laughs>
4: And it's it's he, very good. He was great. He yeah. was when great. When
2: he pop, like okay, that that slow mo shot where he's kicking and yep. he turn and he CG yep. turns and grins at the camera, yep. and then also when he like pops his head in front of the robot dog to like save Colin Firth, something yeah. I did not see coming. Popping the head, like, funny. Yeah. oh, it was good. So good. It's really good. Also the
0: the callback to the uh, the back
3: door.
2: Yes, the anal sex joke. Uh, yes.
3: it was brilliant. So brilliant. good good the elton john thing though in the middle of that kick i felt like we are watching the next jump the shark moment because that's what it felt like uh i I love elton i kind of love he gives zero fucks to vindra i (laughs) yeah i don't don't care about that i mean more like whatever whatever i guess semblance of sanity this movie's trying to have i feel like that's the one bit where it's like ah come on it wasn't when the
2: henchman ate a burger of another henchman oh that's so (laughs) funny Yeah. Um yeah I I loved the Elton John stuff and uh have we talked about everyone Jeff Daniels doing whatever he wanted to do <laughs> Jeff Bri- Jeff Bridges sure he was, I think was. Jeff Bridges sorry yes. Jeff Bridges I was yeah.
0: like Jeff Daniels was in this what are they <laughs> this? Yeah
2: you didn't recognize
3: he, him He was just drinking all those bottles of water. He's like the uh,
1: Michael Caine character of the statesman Th- yeah. That's another thing by the way why did uh what's her name uh Julianne Moore's character uh, dis- feel the need to destroy Kingsmen, but not Statesmen. you know, like yeah. she didn't know
4: about <laughs> she didn't, yeah.
1: they was so, they were so secret that she didn't know. Yeah. Okay. Even though
3: they're much richer, apparently. Yeah.
1: I, one thing I did like about this movie that, that Devinder brought up is that it does kind of find a lot of stories from the previous film. Like it introduces a lot of new characters, which it doesn't do very much with, but yeah, a lot of previous characters uh, are used to great effect. One of the main villains is a character from the previous I
3: movie. did. I forgot about that guy completely. Yeah. I needed that flashback. I was like, Oh yes.
2: He
4: was. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I thought I that like, was. I liked him. Mm-hmm. I liked
2: that he came back. I thought that was, that was really well done, actually.
1: So, um, Joanna, I got to read this email. Uh, oh, yeah. That we got. This one comes in from John from Providence, Rhode Island, who writes into slash uh with an email entitled The Aggressive Misogyny of Kingsman 2. Kingsman 2 doubles down on practically every element of the original, including many of its disturbing undertones, and especially its aggressively misogynistic conception of women. Let's run through the female characters of Kingsman 2. Roxy. Despite being set up as a superior agent in the first movie, she's ceremoniously killed off, only to be brushed off with zero fanfare and completely forgotten. We've already talked about that. Poppy, a stock character. The conniving bitch with a sweet veneer, but a ruthless, psychotic personality motivated by vanity and loneliness. Princess Tildy, the trophy of the first movie. Princess Tildy serves as a damsel in distress. and also the Cool girlfriend who's cool with sex with another woman so long as there's a marriage proposal in the mix. Clara used as a plot device for unwittingly spying on her villainous boyfriend. In one of the most egregiously offensive scenes I've seen in years, are heroes, quote unquote, seduce and sexually assault Clara by secretly implanting a surveillance device in her vagina, complete with a close-up internal shot of the act. Um, and Ginger Ale, the only statesman with a non-alcoholic nickname, Ginger Ale wants to get involved in the field and is perfectly set up to save the day at the end. However, just like Roxy in, in the film, Ginger is sidelined through the finale only to be celebrated as one of the boys at the end in a completely unearned victory. So, uh, John Robinson, what do you make of that? what are your thoughts
2: speak for your gender well I have a couple things to say first of all the reason that I noticed this too and I was like what the fuck the reason that Halle Berry does not have an alcoholic is the same reason that Mark Strong's character is named Merlin like he's not Mm. a knight of the round table he's their gadget guy so he is like a slightly off-brand name and that's why she's ginger She's a mixer for the alcohol, um,
0: oh, 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 um, that that was
1: good. Yeah, was good. very nicely done.
2: The um, yeah, Princess Tilda is is a damsel in distress and and too much of a cool girl. I agree with that. Uh, I disagree with Julianne Moore's character. I thought she was doing just the same amount of like zany greatness oh, yeah. that Samuel Jackson did in the first movie. Like that, those great, those too. are on par for me. I'm I liked her character a lot. Um. And then we get to Roxy, which we already talked about, and then the the vagina cam scene, which is just like mm. ridiculously bad news. Like, <laughs> why, why did they do that? And like,
3: oh man, yeah, uh, like I, I, I could almost like see Matthew Vaughn thinking to himself. It's like I how how am I gonna how am I gonna wow the crowd this time, guys? <laughs> how can I outbay Michael Bay? And we have like complained a lot about Michael Bay's like you know the overt sexism of a lot of his filmmaking. Uh, like that that dude is fine with like uh, upskirt shots all over the place. To- totally cool with that. This is like I have never seen that shot before, but not in a good way. Guys, like not yeah that was really i, I have strange. seen
1: that shot before actually um yeah it's uh very gaspar Noé. Dude watches those kinds of <laughs> very, very gaspar Noé. Like, if you've seen uh like into the boy not as sexy in gaspar Noé. or
2: like pedro almodovar right there like, there you go talk to her there's like this anyway um yeah
1: but, but basically what i'm saying is it really does not belong in this movie i mean you you could have done that scene in so many different ways that yeah. were less Gratuitous.
2: Just cut all, away.
4: All yeah, just, cut, just away. Away. It's a, <laughs> cut away. It's
0: a, it's a horrifying moment. it's There's nothing sexy about it. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like this weird, like cringe-inducing.
3: It's like, no, please don't go in there. You know? Yeah, it's like, but I think, uh, they're expecting the audience to laugh, which I think is the gross part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I,
2: I hope not. I don't know. Like, it is unclear to me how much that Matthew Vaughn is aware of, like. Like, we know he's spoofing James Bond, but, like, mm-hmm. how much is he aware that he's, like, spoofing himself to a certain degree? Right. Like, yeah. I don't I don't know. But, like, you know, if we want to consider this, like, a commentary on all the times that James Bond has to, like, bone an asset in order to, like, you know, continue the mission. And how he has no compunction about it and does not call his girlfriend from the toilet to talk to her about it and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, uh, then okay i can kind of see it being in there but like i don't know my friends my friends and i were talking about it afterwards and we we're just like it's, like you you could easily cut away because all we needed to know about what was going to happen uh, my dude Pedro Pascal accomplished with a finger <laughs> gesture earlier <laughs> in an earlier scene. He said, he membrane and made a gesture and we all know what's going to happen, right? right. You know, so you don't also, show it. But also, you, couldn't he have, like, knocked her out and put it in her mouth? I, I like, that that would her been, nose?
3: That would have been probably a little... But yes, you could have <laughs> put it any, anywhere else... <laughs> that, that that is a mucous membrane opening too, like I think that's the thing. It doesn't even have to be that you, you, you don't even have to just cut away from that. just like not have that at all
2: I don't like I don't know if the whole, whole like the whole thing was um, mhm.
4: Like you All guys right. are
0: offering up other orbs. <laughs> there, <laughs> there's there's
2: so many the other you're orbs. You're
1: like, <laughs> why didn't he just punch her out and put it I in her, her bum?
4: Like you guys
0: are like taking this on its own merits. It's like there were other options as a spy that he could
3: have. <laughs> yeah, started. I, I agree. agree. It's if gratuitous. you create these ridiculous rules. You better not like give us a way to just like dick around and come up with better options within like you know five <laughs> seconds i think i think that's pretty
1: much it. I, I agree it's gratuitous but yeah my mind did not go to the here, there's 50 other things that could have uh 50 other ways he could have gotten it inside he,
3: he could have done the old a there's something on your tongue thing yeah yeah that's... <laughs> yeah
4: when
2: be, okay it's it's hard to accomplish with this like apparent parent condom on your finger yeah. But, yeah but people do in sexy times Put their fingers in each other's mouths. This is true. That's the
4: thing also, that happens.
3: We <laughs> we have technology <laughs> that can save people from bullets in their heads, and you have to wear a pinky condom <laughs> to, <laughs> to enable a tracker. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah,
2: yeah. It's all I, very I,
3: convenient I, imagery. That's that's what it is.
2: It was yeah. terrible. It was awful. I don't know why they did it. <laughs> It didn't ruin the movie for me. Roxy yep. made me angrier, actually, but you know.
3: I, I think Matthew Vaughn is laughing to himself even right now about that scene. It's like, I, I can't believe what I got away with, guys. <laughs> I did it. My lifelong dream.
2: Just especially <laughs> given the way that they reframe the anal sex joke in this movie. Yep. Like, first of all, like Tilde offers it again, and he, Taren, you know, uh, Exy's like, all right, like, calm down. <laughs> and then, like, you know, the backstage pass. Like, that's a great way to comment on this joke. Oh, the people were like, so this good. is so offensive. And Matthew Vaughn's like, yeah, whatever. Come on. Like, let's all laugh about it. The backstage
0: like, pass thing was so good. I, it made me go, I hope there's a third film just so they can figure out some other <laughs> way to to make that joke again. <laughs> It'll be, <laughs> so the, that's Cornetto, gotta be the, the thing Cornetto now
3: trilogy type joke. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. But the, uh, the finger condom, Ugh, okay.
0: <laughs> every movie has got to be, if I go save the world, can I get X? And the other person has, has to say it's screw X. I'll give you Y. And it has to be a fun, uh, like, I want that to be this running gag throughout the series of these movies. You will
3: be piloting <laughs> a penis shaped ship in the next movie and just like, yeah, he has to land straight in a volcano. That's a screw.
2: <laughs> screw movie. X. Let's go spelunking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well,
1: so, speaking of uh, things that have gotten really tired, uh, we, I, I feel like the John Denver thing kind of came out of nowhere in this movie. Like, did Merlin mention that in the first film?
2: I don't think so. Oh, no.
4: right? no. <laughs> I want them to record the first
2: film and just have Mark Strong, like singing John Denver in the first film. So. Uh, but yeah, to Jeff's to point, just it is so
0: much. You're you're a super spy organization, and you can't figure out what. If, what about just standing on the mine until we're done here? Yeah, that's <laughs> all you <laughs> have to hang out. Literally, just, was- just stay where you are, and we're gonna go save the world. We'll come back. <laughs> By the way, everybody in the movie over and over makes a point to say, "Hey, we turned off the mines out front," <laughs> so they literally could have just stormed the castle, flipped the switch on the mines to off, and then Merlin doesn't have to die, but. That was such a bonehead way for him to go out. It was lame.
3: Yeah, I expected but, more. But a great showing for Mark Strong and his singing voice.
2: Amazing, yeah, sure. his yeah. delightful Scottish accent, uh, all of Deep it.
3: Training baby. It is remarkable, threat. though,
1: Jeff. Like that, not only have many films used "Take Me Home, Country Roads," but it is a critical part of of. Yes. It, actually, actually, another Channing Tatum film that
2: came out this year. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just the like same self you think, plot point do you think channing was like uh uh guys it's uh it's this in is
1: my other movie too. <laughs> yeah know,
0: like
1: it's like <laughs> this is why i can't be in this movie
0: right <laughs> <laughs> That's scheduling conflict was I the john denver-esque movie to be in right now
2: but um uh. i did like country roads which is just a great classic song, obviously. Sure. <laughs> um, was stuck was stuck in my head for the rest of the weekend. I was singing it in a Scottish like accent. It was I. It worked for me. It's ridiculous. I, I hate that Merlin's dead because I really love Mark Strong in both mm-hmm. movies. And it makes me a little less excited for the third movie, knowing Mark Strong is not going to be in it. Or will he? Until we have we ma-
1: nanobots. There's going to be nanobots, <laughs> <gonna> be nanobots <laughs> that can
4: assemble
3: disparate cheese. exploding body parts. Yeah, exactly.
2: Exactly. Yeah,
4: exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, but um, what,
3: what does it say about our culture right now? Maybe we we need to be taken back home to the country road. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we need that. That's where we belong <laughs> like, <in general>. Yeah, <laughs> We need to go back home.
1: last last question guys let me me ask you this as we we wrap up is like do we feel like uh this movie has has outdone james bond and and like i guess another way to ask it is are you looking forward to a kingsman 3 more than you're looking forward to the next james bond what do you guys think joanna robinson yeah any any thoughts on that
2: Um, I think it depends a little bit more about what I hear about the next James Bond. Does that make sense? Because I, you know, I know a lot of people did not like Spectre. I didn't dislike it as much as other people, but it felt like such a tidy ending for Daniel Craig's, like, version of this character. Mm. So I have some, like, trepidation about, like, what they're going to do with that and if they're going to fridge another girl in order to, like, you know, like, whatever. Um... You know, but Kingsman Three is definitely more fun than James Bond. I yeah. think the theoretical Kingsman Three in my mind, so yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, Specter uh, was very sullen and somber at the very least, mm-hmm. you yeah. know well, um, yeah,
2: I think I think this
0: movie even more than the first one leaned into being a comedy. I mean it's yeah. more it's more Austin Powers than it is James Bond,
1: yeah, yeah,, um, yep. and uh, I mean, I think overall, it's much more fun. You know, I would argue much more enjoyable than any of the most recent James Bond movies. So
3: yeah. it is I like how we haven't talked about the U.S. president thing because it's so like that's we're seeing that level of evil every day. Right. Well, it's not even it's... worth mentioning in this review. <laughs> well,
2: That's another that's another interesting thing that like in the last movie, the U.S. president was Barack Obama. Yes. And right. um, in this movie, it's not um, Matthew Vaughn has mm-hmm. said that that uh, he, they were going to make the president more Trumpian. Uh, that the Oval Office was going to be like like Trump Towers, like all gold and blinged out. Um, but then he was like, he, that was when they thought Hillary Clinton was going to win. And mm-hmm. then he was like, what if Trump wins? We can't do this. Oh, It'll be man. too hard and too raw for people. Let's just make it a generic let's make Bruce Bruce Greenwald like a generic yeah. comic asshole southern white Which, president as we
4: how yeah, chicken the, shit is that?
2: How chicken vagi- shit is that? Because the vagina like vagina cam is not yeah. too hard and too raw. <laughs>
3: no, no. See, he's brave enough for the vagina cam, but not brave enough to like actually criticize maybe, you know, wow. Trump as president, even though he blew up Obama's head in this Isn't movie. He, yeah, in guys, ex- guys. There's another Mark Strong spy movie that was not afraid to take it on Trump. <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about, guys. Now I'm talking about the brothers Grimsby. Uh, mm.
2: If you if you <laughs> want to talk about like an hour of extra footage on the cutting room floor, some of that has to belong to Emily Watson, right? Like what a weird um, character for Emily Watson to show up and play. Um
0: why did we need to put all of the people who in cages? Exactly. Yeah, that seems like a huge expense for the American taxpayer. How did that happen so quickly?
3: Did the where, where were the cages? Why, oh, we why were the they? Cages. Yeah. Why are they willingly going into the cages? we are got, we cages.
2: We're always cages? ready. They're always ready to cage the American populace. Feels, the it feels like <laughs> a true.
3: rough
1: uh, bathroom situation in that whole yeah.
2: place. Oh, uh,
1: yeah. yeah. You don't want to be bottom cage. <laughs>
3: yeah, you don't want to be bottom cage. That's right. Oh, man. <laughs> Especially like when, when they died, they are just like leaking blood and yeah, yeah. crap everywhere. It's, so it's, it's, a a rough,
1: it's a rough day. Um, but, yeah, we should also mention that they did nothing at all to deal with the massive death of uh, – many world leaders at the end of Kingsman Mm -hmm. one, right? That's one part of Kingsman one. Yeah. The world, the world geopolitically, it should be a complete disaster, but that's not really acknowledged in in this movie. So points Mm -hmm. off for that.
0: I will say I kind of dug the, the conceptual motivation behind Julianne Moore's character. Like, she just wants to be taken seriously as a business person. Yeah. That's her entire, That's a good thing, right? That's her entire <laughs> motivation, is just like, hey, I do a really good job as a business yeah. person, and I really need to be acknowledged for that. So let's you know, contrive a way where I will be a legit business
1: person. That, that, <laughs> that being was- said, dumbest plan ever. Uh, oh. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, like, oh, the president signs a piece of paper, and and it is the law of the land. That's exactly yeah. how legislation works, right, guys? Her,
3: her intentions are good, <laughs> you know. And actually, just like uh, Samuel Jackson's character in the first movie, right? That right. that was a pro-environmentalist message. I do kind of like the way they're flipping around. Uh, I don't know, decent motivations for villains, even though they do it terribly.
2: But it's weird it, because, like, it sounds like we all agree that legalize is, like, a good thing to mm-hmm. do, I, which I do. I'm in, I'm a Californian. But, like, mm-hmm. uh, the movie ended on a weird anti-drug, yep. like, note, you know? Like, I'm never touching that stuff again and, like stick to booze, whiskey or tequila exactly. or like whatever, you know, and I'm just like, what? I wonder if it was it okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know,
3: know. <laughs> we've built our business around alcohol. And actually, maybe the the subplot is the Kingsman would be devalued if drugs were legalized because people would be buying Kingsman uh, uh, or no, Statesman, Statesman. whiskey yeah. less. Yeah, it is a very,
1: you know, there was a piece at Vox that someone tweeted at us today about like how. Uh, the Kingsman movies are very fundamentally like conservative in some ways. Oh yeah, um, yeah. like uh, the the first movie is literally about how uh, liberal elites are using global warming to <laughs> inflict mass casualties upon the world,
4: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and uh, this movie right uh, is about the the ills of the uh, of using drugs, you know, and how people should stay away from them because you know you never know what's going to happen. So, uh, and then and then seeing. Um, Fox News, because this is a 20th century Fox movie. Uh, yep. Like that was it, super
2: weird. Yeah, very <laughs>
1: weird. I, have a, I mean, because they use actual journalists anywhere, from Fox News. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's messed up. It
2: didn't. It didn't bother me that it was like that's what was playing in the White House because that is what plays in the White House nowadays. <laughs> right. But like that Fox News was the only network shown. I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy because yeah. you don't actually get news from Fox News.
0: <laughs> oh.
2: Okay, I, I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I'm alienating your listeners. Yeah. I think we should have. We should have this movie.
0: I think we're past that. We, there, there should be two moratoriums. More moratorium on John Denver. Mm-hmm. Well, three moratoriums. Moratorium on Prince. Moratorium <laughs> on any real life uh news person having a cameo in a movie from now on. Right. I've said this before. Yeah. It really bothers me. It it's really weird. bothers
3: me. But hey, at least they're not really news people, right? So. Mm, <laughs> well, you but know, you, like see, you, know, you see, you uh, know, you see people all the time from all you know Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I hear you.
0: Well, anyway, on that, Anderson note, I think Cooper we, pops up in Superman, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, no,
1: whatever. I, I think we can wrap it up. Uh, overall, it's a movie we enjoyed. Had had um, not even some, I'd say a lot of problems. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> if you are taken in by its charms, uh, at least the charms of the first one, I don't think the second one's going to be any different. So, um, find more episodes of this podcast at slash com. Email us at slash at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from Kyle Hillinger um and stay tuned to hear what we'll be reviewing next week in the meantime john robinson where can people find more of your work on the internet this week
4: ah
2: you can find me on VanityFair.com, or if you are into the award season which why wouldn't you be you can hear me on vanity fair's podcast little gold men
1: uh how about you jeff canada
0: uh, I have several other shows for you to check out. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata with two N's and one T. Uh, I also do uh, two video game shows, a weekly video game show called DLC, which you can find at 5 5tv slash DLC. And a daily, quick hit, 10 minutes a day audio show keeps you up to date. It's called Newest, Latest, Best. It's at uh, on iTunes and Google Play. Or uh, you can find it at anchor.fm slash nlb. And I also do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns that you can find at wehaveconcerns.com.
3: How about you, Davindra? Uh, I am at Davindra on Twitter, and I write about tech at ingadget.com. Check out my Apple TV 4K review later this week.
1: Check out all my stuff at davechen.net. Next week, we're going to be reviewing American Made, the new film by Doug Liman uh, starring Tom Cruise. Um, and the last two Tom Cruise movies I've seen, guys, have been pretty mm-hmm. rough. So pretty rough he's hoping, playing a 30 year old now so should be all good <laughs> <laughs> hoping he brings it back with American Made yeah. so uh, thanks yeah. for listening uh, to this week's episode and we'll see you next week on the official podcast of SlashFilm.com
0: we